First Timothy chapter two. Thank you, Brother Glidden, for all that good singing tonight. I'll tell you what, good singing helps to make good preaching. I must have preached half of them out of here this morning. Amen. I'll tell you what. I, you know what? I ain't going to focus on who ain't here. I'm going to focus on who are here. Amen. Ain't that good English? Amen. First Timothy chapter two. We're preaching through the first book, the Timothy book of First Timothy, and we're in chapter two and verse number one, and going to go down through verse number eight again tonight. Now, uh, Wednesday night, Brother Lutz preached on the Sermon on the Mount, and then Wednesday night, Brother Josh coming up, he'll be preaching, and so forth. But next Sunday, uh, Brother Danny will be back with us, and he'll be preaching. But that night, Sunday night, first Sunday night of the year, Brother Jason Jones's daddy is going to come. And he's going to preach for us a week from tonight. And you don't want to miss that. Amen. That's, it's going to be good, I know, already. So, we'll, so you, if you listen to me tonight, you won't have to listen to me for about two weeks. <laughs> Amen. What a blessing. All right. And so I, but I tell you what, I, did, I must have preached half of them out of here. They must have got all the more they needed this morning. But I tell you what, I'm back tonight and I'm just as excited as I was this morning because he's still on the throne. Amen. <laughs> he's still on the throne. All righty. Well, you know, sometimes my preacher is kind of like the old boy was. There's a, there's a bad wreck and a, and a man got killed in the car wreck. And, and uh, the policeman, he was needing somebody. He said, listen, I know uh, this man's wife. And uh, said, I need somebody that'll go over there who has uh, tact and who knows how to tell people news like this. And there's a young man there. He said, well, I'll go. He said, I'll be glad to go. And he said, now you be diplomatic and you kind of eat, be easy. And, and, you know, there's just a way to do these kind of things. And, and said, uh, but uh, he said, I want you to go. So he gave him the address. He went over and knocked on the door and the lady came door. He said, are you the widow Smith? <laughs> well, she said, my name's Smith, but I'm not a widow. He said, that's what you think. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way my preaching turns out. I just don't do it with good tact and, and wisdom. But anyway, God knows he, he might have intended well, but uh, he said, uh, you are now. <laughs> so anyway, how many, how many knows there's a way to say things? Yeah. There's a way not to say things. Amen. But sometimes preaching turns out that way. Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want to preach tonight on prayer again. And the uh, Bible said, number, verse number one, I exhort therefore. Now, listen, remember, he's, he's talking to a young preacher. He, he's given all of us preachers and people in church uh, how to behave. Our, by the way, the, the theme verse, if you want to get the theme verse of the whole book of 1 Timothy, go to chapter 3 and verse 15. We'll go to chapter 3 and verse 15. This is the, this is the uh, core verse of the whole deal on Timothy. He said, but I find tarry long that thou mayest, what here it is, know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground truth. Amen. That's the whole idea of 1 Timothy. Know how to behave ourselves in the house of God. Tell us how he, and boy, I mean, is he going to tell us how to behave before he's done? And it is good. And it's all good and wonderful. Oh, by the way, uh, today had a comment from somebody in Pakistan that was listening to the services this morning. And man, I'll tell you what, that's exciting. Amen. I'll tell you what I never dreamed uh, when I was running barefoot and sticking my toes in fresh cow manure down there at that old dairy farm. And the boy that God had given me a chance to preach to people all over the world. I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what, that's a blessing. I heard a story, bless my heart. Uh, there was a, back in the depression time, there was a church and I'm not going to get into names and details and even cities right now. I'm, someday I may tell you uh, who this is, but not tonight. But uh, you can still get the good out of the story. There was a, 
in the depression and but there was a church in a southern city and of course this was back in the the Jim Crow kind of days segregation days and uh uh, they, this man was on the radio, and I'll tell you what, he, had a, he, he was getting the job done. And, uh, the, and this church in a large city in, in the south. And uh, there was a black preacher way out in the country, pastor of a little black church way out in cotton country, who would listen to this white preacher that was just reaching people all across the country. And man, I'll tell you what, he fell in love with him and fell in love with his preaching. And he had a little old boy. Uh, just a little old Tad with him. He said, I've got to go to the city. And he said, we're going to go, son. And he said, we're going to go to that church. Well, they came into that church that Sunday morning and the door greeters said, uh, this is a white church. And uh, we don't have black people here. And he said, well, I'm a child of God and I'm a pastor. And he said, I just love your pastor's preaching And he said, I just wanted my boy to see him preach live. I mean, to see him preach and be in the service. And I I need to, I just wanted to. And they visited and they said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let you go up in the balcony and you can sit up in the balcony and you can watch the service. That's what they finally agreed to. And so it did. And uh, the the old black preacher, he said, turn this. And he had 14 children. This eventually, this was his oldest son that he had. And, uh, but eventually he had 14 more siblings. And uh, so they got there and they went on back. The amazing part I want to tell you about tonight, about the, the, the mystery of God and the wonder of serving God is this. Is that 40 some years later, that boy stood in the pulpit of that church. And they said this, that he got in the pulpit and the people there, it was a new pastor, new people, 40 years, you know, it pretty well changes everything out. He said this, this black preacher got in the pulpit and said he just stood there for seemed like the longest time looking up in the balcony. Just looking up in the balcony, one spot. And finally the preacher said, sir, he said, what are you looking at? He said, I'm looking at the spot where me and my daddy sat 40 some years ago when I was a little bitty boy. And God put in my heart to preach. And if I told you the whole story, you would not believe the people that that little boy reached. I want to tell you something. You may think that with God, all things are possible. Don't think you're little. Don't think you're nobody. Don't think you're nothing. I preach here and I get behind a pulpit and I see these little boys and their feet's not hitting the floor yet. Amen. And they're swinging there and they're not sometimes too interested in what I'm preaching. But I believe God's going to use them. Anyway, well, let's get into the message. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. There ain't nobody you ain't supposed to pray for. Sometimes it's easy for me to pray for the people I love. It's hard for me to pray for Joe Biden. I don't like some of the things he's done. I don't like the things he stands for. But God said to pray for him. Sometimes it's hard for me to pray for my enemies, but Jesus said to pray for him. It may not do them any good, but it will do me. I believe it will do them some good too. But he said for all men, men that you don't get along with, men that you don't much particularly care for, men that's made you mad. And he said, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He said, I want you to pray. 
because he said this will affect your life. Your prayer life will affect your life in general. And he said, brother, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Let me just tell you something. If God says praying for everybody is good and acceptable, it's good and acceptable. Amen. If that's good and acceptable in his sight, it ought to be good and acceptable in our sight. And he said, verse number four, who will have all men to be saved? There ain't nobody out there. Man, I, I, I tell you, I can tell you a story about a little boy that got picked up on a church bus. About going, him going to church. Let me just tell you something. There ain't nobody in Norwood God don't want to save. I was coming down through town this week, and I don't like to go to town. I won't go to town unless I just about have to. But I think I was meeting Brother Sam up here or something. And I come down through the door, and I hit them tracks. God said, pray for this town. Pray for Norwood, Reggie. Pray for a revival in Norwood. Pray for a revival in Mountain Grove and Mansfield and Hartville and Ava. Reggie, don't think about the people that don't like you or have a smart attitude about you. Pray for them. Reggie, pray for me to send a revival to this town. And, and don't worry about if it's coming out of this church or not. Just pray for me to come to Norwood. Why don't you join me praying that God will come to Norwood? Amen. Well, he said he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, come into the knowledge of the truth. In verse number five, for there is one God and one mediator the man, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be tested in due time, testified in due time. Whereunto I'm an ordained preacher and apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in verity. And guys, would you put up the scriptures that I'm doing tonight? Would you care to go ahead and put them up on the wall just in case somebody watching doesn't have a Bible with them or somebody maybe here in church? And verse number eight said, I will therefore, now here it goes, that men pray everywhere. Well, you ought to pray at church, that's for sure. You ought to pray at the house, amen. You ought to pray at the, pray at the kitchen sink. You ought to pray when you go to bed, wait, wait, when you get up in bed. You ought to pray when you're on your way to work. You ought to pray when you go hunting that you don't get shot by somebody else. And you ought to, <laughs> and you ought to just pray about everywhere. He said, pray. I will men pray everywhere. There ain't no place. Aren't you glad there's no place you can be what you can't pray? Amen. amen. You can pray. And he said, I want you to pray everywhere. And I mean, and I've tried that and it works, amen. Some of the greatest and most wonderful answers of prayer. I, I, what can I tell you? See, I, I, just, I just have to tell you this. Uh, uh, I, I see that most time Brother Danny would be preaching this morning, last Sunday of the month, and Brother Jeremy would be preaching tonight. Well, I knew I hadn't heard anything of Jeremy, and Danny, he had to be somewhere else, and he asked, and he said, and I said, well, you preach next Sunday morning, and I'll preach this Sunday, and that we'll work that out. Well, I just kind of assumed Jeremy would preach, and Jeremy probably listening right now, but I thought, well, I better check, make sure, Jeremy. well, Jeremy's family's sick. There are a bunch of them sick, and his family said, Reggie, I, I just can't do it. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, I wouldn't even planning on talk, but I need to preach tonight. <clears throat> so I'm taking my sweet afternoon nap. Amen. That's, that's religiously powerful and important that you get your beauty. I got to get my beauty rest. Amen. And so anyway, I was taking rest and I thought, Lord, I got to get up and study pretty soon. And, and, I, and I, I was praying and I, I got to thinking about some old messages and I thought about some messages I ain't preached in 20 years. And I thought about, more. I'd like to preach that. And more Lord, I'd like to preach that. And then pretty soon I said, Lord, uh, you know what needs to be preached tonight. I don't. And Lord, I don't want no will in it. And Lord, would you show me what you want me to preach? And, I, and you know, within five minutes, God laid this whole message out in front of me, just within five. And I just laid there and I said, with my hand behind me, I said, Lord, thank you. He said, pray everywhere. I was taking my Sunday afternoon nap and I was praying and God answered my prayer. And I'm not joking you. We'll, we'll get done. I think you'll see. And anyway, 
He said, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. And God said, don't be mad at me and don't be mad at other people when you pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it ain't going to work very good. Amen. And that lifting up your hands is, a, is an act of worship and it's an act of dependency and saying, Lord, I need you and so forth. But anyway, <clears throat> he said, without wrath. And so that's the mission. Now, when he gets in verse nine, we're going to take off on a brand new subject. We'll get into that here in a couple of weeks. But tonight I want to finish preaching on prayer. Now, I, I want you to notice this. The Bible never said preach without ceasing. The Bible never said sing without ceasing. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Amen. Aren't you glad God never said preach without ceasing, Brother Don? <laughs> and uh, God never said praise without ceasing. Let me tell you what God did say. He said pray without ceasing. Uh, God never said, Jesus never said, teach us to preach. The, the, the disciples never said, Lord, teach us to preach. Never said, Lord, teach us to sing. We're going to have singing class here. They never said, Lord, teach us to teach even. But they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to tell you about your prayer life. The prayer life's going to be the real hinge upon which your success and your enjoyment and your vitality of Christian life is going to hinge. The Bible said, pray without ceasing. The Bible said, men ought always to pray. It didn't say you ought to always sing and preach, but you ought to always pray. The Bible said, continue in prayer. Now, I want you to go to chapter, Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at some praying issues in the Bible. Luke chapter 18, and we're going to have a wonderful Bible study here in just a few minutes. And, and I know people's got relatives and family gatherings and all kinds of stuff. And some are sick because they ate too much of this and ate too much of that. And man, I'll tell you what, you ought to get you a lot of uh, ginger ale and, uh, and crackers on hand. Amen. To settle your stomach down after Christmas. But anyway... <clears throat> Uh, that was kind of supposed to be a little funny. I guess it wasn't. If, 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 if you get sick, the bathrooms are through that door. Amen. And chapter, Luke chapter 18, everybody there say amen. All right, Luke chapter 18, he said, And he spake a parable unto them this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, Jesus is going to teach you some things about prayer here. Now, Paul told Timothy, he said, I want you to always pray. I want you to pray everywhere. I want you to pray for everybody. Now, I want to go back. If I want to get that, I want to go back and see what Jesus taught on prayer where Paul was launching from. He said, uh, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And that's what he said. What he meant, I said, fainting is like, how many has ever seen a fainting goat? You know, I mean, how many has ever been around somebody fainted? You know, just one minute they were there, the next minute they're on the ground. And uh, God says, I want you to keep praying. I don't want you to faint. I don't want you to pass out. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to give up. Don't, and don't lose hope about praying. And then he's going to give you this illustration. Look at verse number two. Saying, here's the parable. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Boy, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to stand for that rascal. Amen. He don't fear God. And he don't regard man. And he's just going to, oh, hanging Judge Parker out there in Oklahoma back here. I'm going to tell you what, you didn't want to come for that guy. He just kind of seemed to get a kick out of us and hang him. And there wasn't nobody could keep it from happening. And it happened out there till literally some bigger authorities come in. You ever read a story? He's, he's quite a guy hanging. I mean, he'd hang you. It was pretty rough out there. But, but anyway, he was a feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And uh, she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. She had an adversary and she said to judge, listen, I'm not being treated right. This guy's being meeting me, being rough to me. Would you please intervene and do something in my behalf uh, against my adversary? And he would not for a while. He didn't regard her. What it says there, he didn't regard. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest, now here, underline this, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. 
He said, I'll tell you what I want to do. He said, this lady, she just kind of acts like she ain't going to give up. And he said, I, I don't want to trouble me, so I'm going to answer her request, her petition. And the Lord said in verse number six, hear what the unjust judge saith. Now, this is an unjust judge. This judge is not just. He's a crooked judge. And shall not God, who is just, avenge his own elect, which cry, here it is, day and night unto him, and watch this statement, though he bear long with them. He said, you're to pray and not to faint. In other words, don't give up because it don't look like it's happening. Don't give up because you got opposition, that adversarial thing. Don't give up because everything's looking rough. You don't give up. You don't quit. And he said, verse number eight, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That's God. He said, God will avenge his elect, his people speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of God cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And dealing with this, is, is you, have you got faith or are you fainting? Now the the thing that you and I ought to get out of this is don't give up praying. Don't quit praying. Just keep a praying. Every day, pray again, pray again. The devil tell you he ain't doing no good. Just tell you you're a liar out of hell. You always have been. You always will be. Don't believe a word you're saying. God said that if an unjust judge would answer a widow's prayer by for her cause of her continued coming, I'll answer your prayer. Amen. You need to get that down. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. I'm, listen, I've been down the road a long way. I know what it is to pastor a church 40 years. I know what it is to raise a family. I know what it is to try to make a living. I know what it is to try to pay bills. I know what it is to have trouble. And I'm going to tell you something. It pays to pray. And you just pray and you pray and you don't give up. You don't quit praying just because it don't seem like God's doing anything. If an unjust judge will do that, God will do much more. Turn back to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we have the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer in Truth chapter 11. But when you get down to uh, verse number 5, everybody go to Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. And boy, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, especially as a preacher. And verse number 5, he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? Now, I'll tell you something. Don't bother me at midnight if you knock on my door at midnight. I don't know what's going on. I'm liable to shoot out the door and say, then say, who's there? <laughs> He said, that was supposed to be funny too, but you didn't laugh at that either. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what you do is when you're about 100 feet from the house, you go, hey, Reggie, this is, and you say your name. That's the way to do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just going to come up there banging at me on midnight. I'm liable to jump and do something funny or crazy. Boy, y'all, y'all kind of stoic tonight or something. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him? Now, they've got a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me free, three loaves. Now, if you came to my house and said, hey, Reggie, you're my friend. You got any bread? I need three loaves. I'd say, why didn't you take care of that today? <laughs> why are you coming to my house at midnight wanting bread when you could? Did you try baking any today? <laughs> You know, I, I shouldn't be doing that. I'll get stay with the text. So I can just tell you all not into that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you how that would work with me. He said, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, this guy said, listen. Now, he may have just found out. He said, I need three loaves of bread. Now, see, for me as a preacher, here's how that works. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I need three loaves of bread. So I go to my friend. And I say, friend, and sometimes at midnight, I don't know why this last year God's been waking me up at 2, 2.30 in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning and just putting something on my heart. And I go in there and get my Bible and sit there and it just shores world. He just give me something wonderful. 
But there's times when I've said, God, Sundays are coming. And those folks are coming to eat. And I ain't got nothing to set before them. God, I've got to have bread. And you know, he, and this, is, this, is how, this is where this text comes in. He said, verse number six, a friend of mine is in his journey. You are friends of mine. You're on a journey. You're on a journey to eternity. And he said, I have nothing to set before him. Did you know Rich Kelly has nothing to set before you of any eternal, any eternal bread to set before you? If it's coming out of my brain and my heart, you got nothing. But if I can get some bread for my friend, amen. if I can get him to lend me three loaves every week, amen, you're going to get something to eat when you come to church, amen. And so verse number seven, he said within, the man that's inside the house said, shall answer him and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Now, that's kind of the way I'd respond. I, I'm in bed. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Come back tomorrow. Verse number eight. Watch this. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Now, I'll underline your Bible this. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. So now we've got to figure out what's that word importunity, that great big word mean? It means consistent begging, not giving up and not stopping asking. I'm in bed. Leave me alone. I'm in bed. Leave me alone. Ridge! Hey, Ridge, get up! I need three lows. Karen, would you tell, I'm not telling him nothing. Well, I guess I'll get up and go get the booger some bread so he'll leave me alone. We're not going to get no sleep till he gets his bread. This amazes me. God said, watch it. I say, look at verse number nine. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That word importunity is one of the most important verses you're going to know, words you're going to ever know about prayer. You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't stop. Daniel prayed 20 and one days. And man, did God ever open the windows of heaven and show that man something. You don't quit praying for your lost loved ones. You don't quit praying for, for uh, lost people. You don't quit praying uh, for your children. You don't quit praying for your church. You don't quit praying for the preacher because he sure needs it. You just don't quit praying. You just keep on praying. And by the way, you say, Lord, <clears throat> I'd like to have this. Now watch what he says here. Verse number 10. For he that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And he that knocketh it shall be opened. Look at verse number 11. One of my favorite verses on prayer in the Bible. Now, Paul told Timothy, I want you to pray. Jesus teaching you about prayer. He said, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Daddy, could I have a piece of bread? Here's a rock. Eat it. He never met a daddy quite like that. My heavenly father, I'm not going to ask him for bread. He's going to give me a rock. He's going to give me bread. Just like he did this afternoon. Or if he asked for a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? He said, Daddy, I'd like to have some fish. Here's a snake, eat it. That ain't God. Mm -mm. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variables or so shadow of turning. 
Watch what he says here. Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Daddy, could I have another egg? No, but here's a scorpion. You know what God wants you to know? He wants you to know his nature and who he is and what he's like. And he's good. And he loves you. And he wants to answer your prayer. Now you say, Reggie, you pray some things and God ain't answered them yet. That's right. But I will tell you this. I found out. Now, why would God answer in five minutes my prayer for a message for tonight? Now, I got to tell you this. I've been studying all week long. I've had all kinds of stuff on my mind, but I didn't have a message for tonight. What God did was took the fact that I had been reading and studying all week. And then he brought all these different passages together from first Timothy chapter two about prayer. And God said, I want you to go to first back to, cause like, well, Lord, I don't want, I'm not, I thought I was done with, no, you ain't done with first Timothy chapter two, verse number one through eight. I want you to preach on prayer tonight. Okay, and I, I want you to go a different direction. I want you to go back and, t- and, and preach what Jesus taught on prayer. Now, why would God answer that prayer in five minutes? You know why? Because that's his work. He's interested in it. Now, if I have said, Lord, could I have a new four-wheeler? He probably went, mm. If I have said, uh, uh, Lord, uh, could, could I have a new pickup truck? He probably went, when are you going to be happy with what you got, Reggie? But when I said, now, Lord, I'd like to have some bread to feed me old people. I said, I'm interested in that. That gets into my heart. I want my people fed. There's a big secret right there about the prayers God answers. But I will tell you, God answers good things that you may not, that aren't spiritual and that aren't religious. All right. God answers prayers about practical things every day. But I love verse 13. Look at verse 13. If ye then, Reggie, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, now, we just got through with Christmas giving. And uh, I, I, I bought my wife a new chainsaw. <laughs> bought my son-in-law splitting moms <laughs> and showed him where the wood pie was. <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I made Karen a, a greenhouse. Well, I got to making her greenhouse and I was laying in bed one night and this little vision came in my brain. And I, and I went out, and, and, but you know, these girls, they know how to work you. How many knows that daughters know how to work their daddies? Oh, it's pitiful. And one of my daughters texted me uh, when she found out that I was making her mama a greenhouse and put a little wink, little, what do you call the emoji? What do you call Huh? Emoji? Anyway, one of them little figures that comes on there with a wink. I'd like to have one too. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I had this little vision about a greenhouse. So I left Karen's greenhouse and went to putting this greenhouse together that's in my head. No, I tell you what, I was all excited for Christmas come. And I tell you, it, it, you know, I, I wrote in the card when, uh, in the house when we was having Christmas, your Christmas present's out yonder. And I said, it's just like me, pretty rough looking, but it was made with love, you know. But you know what? They, they, she asked for a greenhouse. I didn't give her a, a cattle syringe. I didn't give her a rotten egg. I'm going to tell you, our Heavenly Father, we ask him for good things. He's not going to give us something that's not good for us and a blessing to us and a joy to us. And I want you to know this and believe this with your heart. Because sometimes the devil will tell you God doesn't care and he's mean and he's not interested in you. But that's a lie. How much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? God wants to give you. He said, but ask him. All right, now. 
Well, let's go to John 17. I, I, I need to keep moving along here. I got to get home time to watch Bonanza and the Ed Sullivan show. Some of you don't even know what that is. Oh, when I was a boy on Sunday, how many knows what was on Sunday night TV when you was, when I, when I was a boy? Walt Disney, best show, boy, at that time, best show on TV, Walt Disney. Come, just about time church start, Walt Disney's on. Oh, I thought my mom and dad was mean to make us go to church and miss Walt Disney. And then Bonanza came. And Bonanza was on Sunday night. Oh, I didn't get to watch Hoss. The whole world knows how to pull people out of church. The old devil knows just how to do it. I'm t- well, anyway, we got John 17. Now, John 17 is where Jesus is praying. This is the real Lord's prayer. Over in Matthew 6 is the disciples' prayer. Now, watch Jesus pray here. We're just going to go through this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. Boy, lifted up his eyes to heaven. Sometimes you ought to walk out in the yard and just lift your eyes up. How many of you have ever walked out in the yard and lift your eyes up to heaven? I have. And by the way, you know what I generally do? You probably think this is crazy, but I look northward. Because the Bible teaches God dwells in the north. There's a reason your there's a reason your deal point your compass points north, because that's where God's at. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. God wants you to know where He's at. <laughs> your Bible tells you where He's at. Amen. But I'll go out in the yard. This is literal truth. I won't face east. I won't face south. I, if, if, I th- if I have things, I'll face north and get on my knees and say, dear God, you're up in the north. I want to talk to you today. Now, well, some of you are still working on that one. <laughs> he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now look at the first thing he prayed. He said, God, I'm praying. And he said, Father, I'm praying. Now he's a man. All right. He's the God man. And he's praying to his father. And he said, glorify thy son. Now, let me tell you something. All prayer ought to be to glorify the son. If your prayer request and your, your things is, uh, wouldn't this glorify the son if I was to get this? If God was to give this to me, would it glorify the son? And then he said, and thy son also may glorify thee. Well, I'm God's son. Am I going to glorify God in what I'm asking him? Is this going to glorify God? It's a good question to ask yourself before you ask God about it. Well, verse number two, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glory. Watch this theme. Watch the theme of prayer here. Watch the theme of prayer. I have glorified thee on the earth. Well, I, I ought to ask myself, can I, when I go to pray to God, can I say, Lord, I've been glorifying you here on the earth? Mm-mm. Now, how many thinks God the Father heard God the Son's prayer? I promise you he did. He said, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. Man, I'm going to tell you what you're talking about being able to pray. Lord, I've been doing what you've called me to do, and I've finished everything you've told me to do. I'm here for further orders. <laughs> and he said, look at verse number five. And now, O Father, glorify, thy, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. But wouldn't that be a good message before the world was? Oh, you don't need marijuana and dope to blow your mind. Just think about God before the world was. Verse number six, I have manifest thy name unto men. Well, am I manifesting the name, his name among men, which thou gavest me out of the world? Thine are, were they, and thou givest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. 
For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. By the way, that's this believing right here. This is an expression of faith. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world, <coughs> but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, by the way, that when, the, when somebody calls the Pope Holy Father, I want to vomit. Because he ain't no Holy Father. That's a title of God the Father in heaven, and that, that tells you the Pope received that. He's a nasty, filthy thief. I don't care what kind of garbage he's wearing on his head and his shoulders. That's a shame. That's a shame. Any man take the title of Holy Father. Merck makes me about want to have a hillbilly fit. Amen. I'm glad I got, he ought to read his Bible a little bit once in a while. Might help him. Amen. Anyway, I get off that anger still. He said, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Now I want you to see what Jesus is praying. Or Jesus said, Lord, Father, I want you to keep those that you've given me. You know what? If, if you're saved, God gave you Jesus Christ as a Savior, as your Savior. And you know what? He, Jesus prayed that God would keep you. Good on First Peter said, we're kept by the power of God through faith. Right? Jesus prayed that you'd be kept. Well, he said uh, that they may be one. Whoop. Now, Lord, I ain't interested in this here. Now you're going to start seeing him praying that, every, that his people be one, that we'd get along, love each other. Mm, that we'd be one. He said, as we are. Now, how many up here like for God, the Father, God, Son, God, the Holy Ghost to get in a fight and an argument? Huh? Come on now. Start thinking with me. <laughs> There's a theme going to go here about his prayer for the unity of believers and the oneness of believers. And I'm going to tell you one thing. You better hope that God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost gets along better than Christians do down here. That's right. <laughs> I guarantee you they ain't having no problem among themselves. And they're one together and there's power in oneness. By the way, that's what laser light is. The reason you can cut and do surgery with laser light is because it's unified light. And when the body of Christ and Christian people quit being divided so much and get unified around the truth of God's word, they'll cut through the garbage and sin of this world and there'll be power in it. Well, he said, verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou givest me, I've kept and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition. Who is that? That's Judas. All right, that the scripture might be fulfilled. That was prophesied in the Old Testament. Verse number 13, now I come to thee and these things speak, I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus has got, the Bible said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. And Jesus said, I want my people to have my joy. God prayed for that. Now, listen, let me tell you something. Don't you let the devil steal your joy from you. Joy to the world, the Lord is going to Christmas time. You ought to have some joy in you. Amen. Amen. I don't tell you right now, if I couldn't have some joy, I don't know what I'd do. The joy of the Lord's our strength. But he prayed that they'd have joy. You know what you ought to pray? Lord, give my children joy. Now, I'm not going to lie to you tonight. My wife, she has to live with me. So you know what I pray? I pray, well, God, give Karen joy in spite of me. Lord, I know sometimes it'd be easy for her not to have any joy having to live with me, put up with all the garbage that's going on. Lord, would you not let the devil steal my wife's joy? My wife, I want my wife to have joy. You ought to pray for joy in your children, joy in your spouse, joy in your family. Amen. There's enough sorrow and sadness and aggravation stuff. Jesus prayed that you'd have joy. Verse number 14, for I have given them thy word 
and the world hath hated them. Now, you just need to get this down. The world just hates your guts if you're going to live for God. They're going to hate you, hate you, hate you. And you stand, they don't mind you saying you're a Christian and then going on your merry way. They don't want you living out the word of God. He said they hated him because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's me and you. Jesus praying for me and you right there. The ones that would believe on him. Verse 21, that they all may be what? 42 different denominations. Are you listening? That they may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. By the way, the world will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God when Christian people become one. Not one in error, one in truth. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of lost guys out here in the country don't want nothing to do with the church because they know church people don't get along. They've seen so much division and so much church strife and, and all that kind of stuff and want no part of it. I got enough strife and division in my life. I don't need to go to church to get any more. <laughs> Somebody said the other day to me about elections. You want to have a church split, just have elections or business meeting every two weeks on Wednesday night. It's the stupidest thing I ever heard tell of in my life. Well, what color do you think the toilet paper ought to be in the women's bathroom? I think it'll be pink. I think it'll be orange. I think it'll be blue. She didn't agree with me. Did you hear her tonight, honey? She didn't agree with me. I want pink. She That's the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest stuff. I want to tell you something. We're doing some things around here, but I ain't having a business meeting about it. I talked to some men who I know knows what they're doing. We're going to do something this evening, but I ain't talking to you about it. Amen. Amen. You're just going to come in here and it's going to be different someday. All right. What I'm saying is, you know, that's the dumbest thing you can do. And if you, you don't, you, you daddies ought not have business meetings at your house. Say, honey, I love you. Pray for me. I'll listen. If you got any suggestions, I'll listen to, but don't get mad if I don't do what you say. I'm going to follow the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. I'm going to lead this home spiritually. I need your prayers. I need your love. I need your support. But we're not having a family business. Kids, how many of you want to go to church? One, two, three. How many don't want to go to church? One, two, three, four, five. Well, we're not going to church today. How stupid is that? Amen. 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 That's right. (laughs) Oh, my. Verse number 23. I and them and thou and me that they may be perfect to one the world may know that thou sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will. See, they, they know you love him by the oneness. Father, I will that, that, that they, I, I, let me just back up on for this. It ain't going to cost you no more tonight. We won't charge you for the second service, all right? <laughs> you need this in your marriage. The two shall be what? One. one. You know what the devil wants? And you know I'm telling you the truth. If the devil can get there to be two instead of one, there's trouble in your house. If he can get your family where it's not one, there's trouble in that family. And if he can get where the church is not one, there's trouble in that church. And I want to encourage you that. Don't you let nobody, you keep that marriage one. But the way you're going to keep it, Juan, 
is by having a leader, a spiritual leader in that house. You're not going to have, if I, if I walked in here tonight with two heads, you'd say I was a monster. You ought to go to a carnival show or something. A lot of homes got two heads. Churches got 14 heads. It's a monstrosity. Boy, I don't know where I got all that at, but amen, here we go. Verse number 20, O righteous Father, the word hath not known thee, but I have known thee, that thou, and these have known that thou sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. God says, I want my love in them. He's praying, he's praying this prayer. It'd do you good to study that. Now, uh, I, want to, I want to tell you about danger of prayer in here a little bit. And uh, we got, uh, by the way, I'm still in my introduction. And uh, Hezekiah, he prayed over there in 2 Kings. We're not going to turn you around, but 2 Kings 19, Assyrians came out there. And man, there's Assyrians surrounding them. There's a threatening them. There's a talking them. They had a propaganda war going on. And Assyrians are going to whoop them and take them into captivity. And oh, Hezekiah, and they sent him a letter about it. And it floated over the wall. And man, it was a bad scenario. And they, Hezekiah took that letter and he took it up to the house of God. And he put it on his face and he prayed and asked God. And God sent an angel that night. That night, God sent an angel and killed 185,000 Assyrians. Next morning, they got up and that army's dead. Boy, God answered that prayer. That's chapter 19. Now watch this. Be careful. Be careful about your praying. Chapter 20, God said, Hezekiah, set your house in order because you're going to die. Right. And Hezekiah wept said, Lord, I don't want to die yet. I'm not ready to die yet. Lord, I, I'd like to live for a while. God said, Hezekiah, I'm going to answer that prayer too. He said, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And to be honest with you, you don't read much more about Hezekiah except that he had a boy took over when he died. And his boy was 12 years old. So you know what that tells you? That boy was born after he prayed to live longer. Watch this. And that boy's name was Manasseh and he's the meanest king Israel ever had. Be careful about praying to live longer. It might cause some things. Be careful about praying things that, oh, you know, we want to do this and want to do that and experience this and experience that and have this and have that. But he'd have been better on the nation and he would have been better off if he'd just let God take him out of here when his time was over. Amen. Yep. He said, God said, I'll give you 15 more years. Three years later, he had a boy named Manasseh and that boy became king when he was 12 years old and he ruined that nation. Be careful what you're praying. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and help in time of need. God wants you to pray, invites you to pray. Genesis, uh, back over in Genesis, the angels there came and they said, We're going to destroy the city of Sodom. And Abraham began to petition God. You want to read a man who knew how to pray and petition God? It was Abraham. And he started off with 50. Lord, if I find 50 righteous, would you spare that city? And God said, I'll spare it. And he kept working it down. Man, I'll take God down. Finally, I mean, he just kept. I mean, I, would have, I wouldn't have had the nerve. God's showing you, don't be afraid to talk to me. Don't be afraid to tell me what's really on your mind. You tell me the truth about what you want. You get straight with me. Don't monkey around. Don't pull around the bush. But you tell me what you're asking. That's right. That's that importunity. And he got down to 10. God says, for 10 righteous men's sake, I'll save that city. Moses got up there and then people rebelled and did every kind of stupid thing you could imagine. Moses fell on his face. God said, I'm going to destroy the whole stinking nation. I, he didn't say that. I said that. But he did say he was going to destroy the nation. Moses fell on his face and said, God, listen, watch this. Watch how Moses prayed. Moses said, God, if you destroy that nation, you know what the heathen will say? You couldn't do what you said. You said you was going to take them into the promised land. And if you kill them all, you didn't do what you said you was going to do. God, you can't do that. Whew. That's powerful praying. 
You know what Moses was praying? He was praying a prayer of faith. He was praying it based on the word of God. He said, your word says this, Lord, that'd be acting contrary to what you said you'd do. God said, I like that kind of prayer. Man, hold me to my word. I'm going to do what you ask. Moses. Jesus said, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Now we'll close out. Some of you go, man, glad to hear that. Anyway, I want to give you something that's precious to me. Jesus said, watch this. He said, when you pray, he said, you go into your closet. And he said, when you shut the door, he said, you pray to your father, which is a secret. And your father, which is a secret, shall reward thee openly. I'm telling you something. I've seen that prayer. I've seen that happen over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you something. I actually do have a closet. It's, I'm, I mean, it's about like that right there. And there ain't much room in there. And I've went in there many times and put on my, I mean, got on my face and said, God, you said, if I'd go into my closet and shut the door and pray to you in secret, you'd hear in secret, reward me openly. And God, I'm praying in secret. And I'm asking you for some things right now. I went out in the woods where I knew nobody was here. I get out there on the backside of that 160 acres and get on my knees before God. I can tell you what, and cry out to God and plead with God. That was my closet that day. Some place where I know ain't nobody going to hear me. I don't want nobody. What if when I really get to praying, I don't even want Karen to hear me. Mm. See, you can't really get down to the nitty gritty to this. Nobody can hear you except God. Well. Jeremiah 33, 3 said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3, 20 said, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Second Chronicles said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and pray. He said, I'll hear from heaven. Heal their land. Forgive them. He said, now what are you talking about, Reggie? Well, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 now. And, uh, when you get to verse number eight, everybody there say amen. amen. Mercy, mercy. We got to run fast after this. He said, be not therefore like unto them. He, above there, after he talked about praying in secret, he said, now you watch out. He said, them guys get up on street corners and they say the same thing over and over and over and over again. He said, don't like that vain repetition. He said, I, I hear you. Don't put on the dog show. And he said, they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Now. And then he says in verse number nine, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Now this is what we have the Lord's prayer. Now watch this, watch this. I, I hope y'all came to church tonight because I got this message on my heart and I'm going to do it. If you need to go and you got a family gathering or something's going on, you can leave. I won't be mad at you. I won't feel like you hate my guts. I, I, I won't feel like you're rejecting my preaching, but I'm going to preach what God put on my heart. Okay. Now, some people say, well, you're supposed to say that prayer verbatim, something like that, word for word. And then some other folks say, no, no, it's just an example of how you're supposed to pray. And then somebody else says, well, no, you pray from your heart before, and then you say that, and then you pray from your heart to the end. And everybody's got their idea about how you're supposed to use the Lord's Prayer. Well, the secret to it is, after this manner, pray. Okay? And uh, I can get into that, but I think everybody's smart enough to understand that. Now, <clears throat> this prayer is the basis of how teachers used to teach people to write letters. This is interesting. Letters, it, it's a shame, the kids growing up now, they won't know how to write letters. They know how to text. And in texting, they don't even know how to spell. And I'm not against that because I know when you put you for Y-O-U, and I understand all that, 
But I, I, I think there's going to be a bad twist in the road down the road somewhere because, the, but used to, when you was in school, they teach you how to write a letter that's a proper way. And that actually, in, before we went into the consolidation, before we went into the public and took God out, they used the Bible as the basis for how to write letters. And one thing they taught was people that a letter is often a source of appeal to request something. And I'll show you this. But the first thing you've got to have is who is the letter to? Who is the letter to? Well, it says our father. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't. Now, look, hang on to your hat a little bit. He didn't say my father. He said our father. So that means, Brother Lutz, you've got to include me. And I've got to include you. What it does, it brings us together. It's our father, not my father. Now, there's a place in time if you're by yourself. You, I don't think God has any problem with you saying my father, which is in heaven, because he is your father if you're saved. OK, but there's something about this word, our father, that unites us together and makes us see that we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and that it is a family with a father. The church is the mother. God is the father and the ch- believers are the children, the children of God. All right. Now, the next thing he says is father. Now, for him to be your father, what has to happen? Saints, you have to be born in the family of God. You've got to be born again in the spirit of God. If you're not born again, you cannot honestly say our father, which is in heaven, or my father, which is in heaven. You've got to be saved, right? You've got to be saved. All right. Now, so you address, the, you, you address who the letter's to, our father. And you've got to be a child of the king. Now, when you write a letter, you need to know the address probably before you ever start writing the letter. Because you write a letter and you don't know where it's going, what's the good of writing the letter? Our Father, which art where? In heaven. All right, so you've got an address, right? <laughs> I'm going to have a little fun here. Just hang on your hat and enjoy it if you can. We're going, to, we, we're going to address the letter to the person and then we're, we're going to recognize them as the position life that they are and then we're going to send the, make sure we know the address. <laughs> okay? We're going to send that letter out. Now, <clears throat> he said he's in heaven. But there's a little bit of a problem with that because God is everywhere, right? God is everywhere. But because God is spirit, he's everywhere, but his throne is in heaven. And that is basically the address that we're sending the letter to. But you know what I like about the fact that God is omnipresent? That means God is everywhere. I want to give you a little sweet truth tonight. The devil has to hitch a ride. Because he's running to and fro. He ain't everywhere at one time. I'm sorry. If he's over in Italy tonight, he ain't here. He may send a devil here, but he ain't here. Because the Bible said he goes to and fro throughout the whole earth. See, he's not omnipresent, but God is omnipresent. Amen. That'll help you if you let it. That'll help you. All right. Now, then there's got to be, when you're in your letter, now, I don't know if I remember doing this, but if I had, if I'd wrote a letter home, dear dad, route to so-and-so Norwood, Missouri. Got the address. Got the person I'm writing it to. I need $500. Your son, Reg. <laughs> How's that going to go? No, you watch this here. When you're writing a letter, you have a salutation or a greeting. All right? You got to have enough sense not to ask for the money before you greeted them. <laughs> Come on now, listen, I know you're tired of me preaching today, but please hang with me. 
Hallowed be thy name. That's the greeting. Hallowed be thy name. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. I met Karen. And when I first started talking to her, it was Karen. Then, Brother Lutz, a little later, it was dear Karen. (laughs) I began to hallow her name. See what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to tell you about letter writing. Letter writing is, is determined by the love that's in the heart of the one who wrote the letter. Now, uh, I, I'd, say, I'd say, dear Karen. A little later on, I started saying, dear sweetheart. Then I might say, darling. I don't really say that very much, but she's my darling. And if you really want to get mushy, honey bun. <laughs> what do you call your wife? Does anybody know him? What do you call your wife? Don't tell me nag. I don't you do that. What do you call your wife? Sweetie, honey bun? Sweetheart. Sweetheart. Yeah. How many knows? How, how many is going to go walk in there? Karen, I'd like pecan pie tomorrow. See you later. Oh, no. Hey, babe. You're still the good, best looking thing I ever saw in my life. She's giving me a pretty rough look right now. <laughs> she don't like this in church. <laughs> you wouldn't like your husband doing it either. And she says, what do you want now, right? And I say, you make a mighty mean pecan pie. It's been two or three days since we've had one. <laughs> I'm going to, so would you have a, rep- you know what? And I say, and I reach over and I kiss her on the forehead. I said, you're sweeter than you was the day I met you. What am I doing? I'm giving her a salutation. You're getting ready to make my request. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the deal. Don't try to con God. But I want to tell you about God. He's worthy of our praise and he's worthy of our adoration. And he ought to be said, hallowed be thy name. Did you know the Bible, the song says, there is a a name I love to hear. I love to sing his worth. How's it go? Sounds like music in my ears. What? The sweetest name on earth. Amen. Did you know it's the name above all names? Did you know there's no other name whereby you might be saved? You must be saved. And I'm going to tell you, when you're addressing God, when you're praying him, I'm going to tell you something. You ought to hallow his name. You ought to just say, Lord, before I ask you for anything, you've been so good to me. Lord, you're so holy, so righteous, so sweet, so good. Lord, you gave your son to die for me. Lord, I tell you, you're the sweetest thing I ever, I ever known about in my life. Now, I'm, I'm holding, if you don't, I'm honest with you, I'm holding back tonight because I know you all want to go home. I'm holding back, but I'm going to tell you something tonight. This is good stuff. When you pray, I'll tell you what, you get your heart in them. You get in love with Jesus tonight. Amen. You say, Lord, I love you. Amen. And uh, anyway, I'm telling you, like, you, let him know in that salutation. Now, then you get into the body of the letter. Now, boy, this is good. You get a hold of this now. You salutation, you get the address, you know where you're sending it, who's writing it, and you get in the body of that. Watch this here, verse number, no, verse number 10. <clears throat> I'm going to give this illustration again. I write home. I've been gone a year. I write home. Dear dad, I'm broke. Need a hundred bucks. Your son. You know what? My mom would have looked over my dad's shoulder and said, who's that from? Reg. He didn't ask about nobody. Watch this. He didn't ask how mama was. He didn't ask how the kids was. He didn't ask how the cows are. He didn't ask about nobody. When you write a letter and you want that letter to be effective, now we're talking about praying, you want it to be effective, take an interest in the life of those people. You know how, 
makes camps, Bible camps go and church go. I'm going to tell you, what if I walked in every Sunday and you walked up, shake my hand and said, shut up, sit down, listen to the preaching. Do you know what makes me maybe possibly earn the, the right for you to even possibly sit and listen to me is I see Brother Coop and say, man, how you doing? I appreciate you and mean it. Brother Glidden, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you. Thank you for praying for me. Take an interest. You know what? Here's the whole secret to prayer. Take an interest in what God is doing. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take an interest in the work of God. Take an interest in what God is interested in. If you don't, if you're the, listen, if I write you and I talk to you and I have no, all I want to talk to you is about what I'm interested in, what I want out of you. But if I say, Sister Carol, you got enough wood? Sister Carol, how's things going? The fence is okay? I say, Brother Glidden, how's sales going? You getting along good? Brother Don, you getting good jobs? Brother Josh, how's your family? How's your wife doing? You take an interest. I'm going to tell you a little something. If you get interested in his work Amen. and in his heart, Amen. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. Amen. I want your will to be done in my life, in this world as it is in heaven. God, I'm interested in the things you're interested in. I'm interested in souls. I'm interested in seeing people get saved. I'm interested in seeing righteousness return to this nation. Amen. I'll tell you what I believe. God in heaven will come his ear up and say, I want to listen to that man's prayer. He's got an interest in the right kind of things. Learn, this, this prayer will teach you how to pray and I guarantee you if you'll do what I'm preaching tonight, it'll change your world for Jesus Christ if you get a hold of how, what this is. And so you take an interest in what he's doing. And then look at the next thing. Then you tell him what you need and what you want. Give us this day our daily bread. No, Lord, give me six years worth of groceries ahead of time. No, give me this day our daily bread. Look at the things he's asking. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that forgive our debtors. Now he's making his petitions after he's addressed the letter properly, after he's uh, complimented and, and salutated that person. And then he got, took an interest in that person's world and that person's life. Then he makes his request. Most of the time, to be honest with you, we're going to God and we're saying, dear God, do this for me. Dear God, do this. And he's going... You have no interest in my world. I'm just your slot machine. Did y'all see why I was excited about preaching tonight? And then, as I said, ask, tell him what you want. Give us our daily bread. Forgive our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. He's making his request. And he didn't ask for a four-wheeler in the whole, whole phrase. He didn't ask for a gun or, or, or a new bass boat. He said, Lord, I want you to keep me from evil. Amen. Boy. And uh, after that, the old time teachers used to say, now then you give a complimentary close to your letter. You just don't close. You give a complimentary close. And boy, does this prayer ever give one.
Now, in my letter to Karen, watch this. Here's the close. For thine is the kingdom. <laughs> thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Always complimenting God. <laughs> thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. Boy, I tell you what, he's given honor to God. Amen. Yes. He's given a com complimentary close to this letter. Now, he puts a word at the end of it forever. Now, I'll tell you how us people are. We write a letter to that sweetie pie, or the sweetie pie writes us a letter. And we'll say, yours forever. How many of you ever seen one of those letters? Yours forever. Make little hearts on it and kisses deal, you know. And next week, we got a new boyfriend. <laughs> next week, we got a new girlfriend. It wasn't no more yours forever, no nothing. But God ain't like that. And a man that prays right knows that his is the kingdom and his is the power and his is the glory forever. You know what he's saying? God, I want your kingdom, your power, and your glory, and I don't want it for today. I don't want it for tomorrow. I don't want it for next month. Lord, I want that forever. Amen. And Lord, I'm in love with you forever. And then he closes out his prayer. Watch this. This is good. Going to close. He said, he signed, he put a signature on it. <clears throat> now, you see, I could get a letter when Trump was president, and, I, and, if I, and I've got them letters asking for money, but it wasn't signed by President Trump. But if I was to get a letter and it said, Dear Reg, this is President Trump, and I just want you to know I heard a message of yours, and it blessed my heart, and I'd go, what mercy sakes a lot. And it got down to the end, but he never signed it. Watch this now. Hang on to your hats. <clears throat> I'd wonder if he really wrote that. Are you listening to me? I'd wonder, is this really from Trump? If it is, why didn't he sign his name? If you gave me a check tonight for $5 million, but you never signed your name, it ain't worth a flip nickel to me. Ain't that right? God says, when you get done praying, sign your name. When you send me your love letter, sign your name. Say amen. Amen. Now, what's amen mean? Amen means that I am sending my verity to what's said. This is the truth, Lord. I am not monkeying with you in my prayer life. So be it. Amen means so be it. It means truth, verity, and certainty. When I say thy kingdom come and thy will be done, I'm not joking you, Lord. I'm not trying to con you, as Brother Don said. I'm saying amen. Amen is a very, very important word in the Bible. It is so important, by the way, that it's, it's one of the titles of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 3. He is called the amen. amen. Now, I'm going to give you all something very theological and very important in this church. This church could explode into a civil war between the north and the south. There are a bunch of hillbillies at this church, and there's a bunch of southerners, and there's a bunch of northerners. <laughs> and here's how it could happen. The southerners say, amen, and the northerners say, amen. <laughs> 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 
Now, I'm just kidding with you, little, okay? <laughs> Say amen. amen. Say amen. Now, see, I'm an amener. But just because you say amen, but you see, somebody says, well, I, I, don't, I don't like to hear it. Somebody says, no, you're supposed to say amen. You ever, I've had people, I've heard people say, you don't say amen, you say amen. There's some people nodding their heads, you've heard that. Hey, God don't care. He don't care whether you're from the south or from the north or from Siberia. He'd just like you to say amen. He'd like you to sign what you say to him with the verity of the truth of what you're saying. He wants you to say amen from your heart or amen from your heart, and he don't care whether it's R-A. Because if God was dependent upon our vocabulary and our semantics of our speech and language, none of us would make it to heaven. Amen? Amen? <laughs> now, I'm going to give you a little something tonight about this. Now, I ain't preaching on this, but <clears throat> church is rehearsal for heaven. Now, some of you, boy, I wished, I wished everybody that ever went to church here was here right now. Now, I may do this next Sunday or Sunday. I may do this again so all of you don't say it. Just act like it's the first time you heard it when I do it again, okay? Amen. But I, <laughs> <laughs> there are some people who've been sitting in church 30 years and they ain't never said the first amen. <laughs> and it would do their children good for their dads to see that their dad... There's several good things about getting involved in church. But now there's some people said, Dean Martin sits over there and says, amen, 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 amen. And I can't even pay attention to the thing, to the preaching because he's always saying, amen. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little something. Don't let, and some preachers even. But I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't never, if you think, somebody says, well, I don't want to interrupt the preaching just going amen, amen. Try it on me. You you ain't going to interrupt my preaching saying amen. Amen. It's like sick, it's like pouring out gravy to a dog. I mean, he'll go, amen. amen." It helps, amen. And so, but some people honestly think, well, I don't want to add to the course and I don't want to make more and more noise and I don't want to draw attention to myself. But I want to tell you a little something. Now listen to me tight. Church is rehearsal for the real deal in heaven. It's rehearsal for the performance. It's, well, they're just singing too loud. <clears throat> I don't like that shouting. I don't like that hollering and everybody now let me just tell you something we're going to come over to Karen's house and she's going to have dinner for you and well let's say you came for breakfast and she fixes eggs and I reach over and get the, the pepper shaker and go and you go he's nuts look at the pepper he's putting on that why don't you season your own eggs let me season my eggs let Dean season his own spiritual life. You season your own. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm telling you tonight, you need to get in gear about church. And you need to start saying amen. Well, all you're doing when you're saying amen is that I agree with that. He just spoke the truth, and I'm going to ascertain that truth. If your children will sit and listen, you say amen, then there's something else good about that. You're going to go have to go home and live out your amen. Yeah. Amen. 
Yes, sir. That's right. But if you don't get in on the rehearsal, you're probably not going to be invited to the performance. God says, I'm having a rehearsal for worship in heaven. You say, well, I, I don't want to rehearse. I just want to go to heaven. <laughs> I, I kind of think that he expects you to be in the rehearsal if you want to be in the performance. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Right. Let's stand and go home. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'm telling you what, sign off with amen, amen.